GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. What will the property market do if there is a treaty? We just had confirmation today that the Chief Minister is travelling to London on Wednesday to continue discussions with the UK government. Fabian Picardo will be joined by the Deputy Chief Minister, the Attorney General and the Chief Secretary and will return to Gibraltar on Friday. But what would happen to the property market if there is a treaty and what would happen to it if there's no deal? Questions for estate agent Luis Montegrifo. In other news, the college, Westside and Bayside schools are collaborating on Future Pathways, a three-day event for Year 12 students with a focus on career and higher education choices. Claire Hernandez brings us the details. And the band Cedar is back from their UK tour. Daryl Bias and Patrick Murphy will join us on the podcast. But first... Parliament has debated the timing of the Principal Auditor's Report as well as the issue of whether The Rock needs a Public Accounts Committee. It was an absolute mammoth session of Parliament and following it for GBC was Christina Cortez. Christina. Yes, so as you said, you know, uh, the Principal Auditor's Report, we've heard a lot about it over the last few weeks. GBC's run a series of reports on it, on its contents, and uh, yesterday in Parliament it was a nearly seven-hour debate, and that followed a motion by the GSD's Roy Clinton. Um, So the the motion, to to start with, what prompted this this whole debate, had two main elements, and one tackled uh, what the Shadow Minister for Public Finance called the delay in the tabling of the report, and also called for supplementary appropriation bills to be taken through Parliament, and the other element was the establishment uh, of a public accounts committee. The electorate are variously in a state of shock and anger, shock and anger, Madam Speaker, given what has been disclosed in this delayed principal auditor's report. The electorate expect action from this parliament, and there can be no better way for this place to acknowledge that expectation than by creating a public accounts committee. The voice of the shadow uh, public finance minister, Roy Clinton. Yeah, so calling for uh, the establishment of a public accounts committee, which for the government, has, uh, for its part, has said on a number of occasions that it won't budge on the question of this. Uh, in its uh, manifesto for the last general election, it said that uh, in its view, uh, the establishment of such a committee would lead to controlling officers and other civil servants being grilled by the opposition and that it believes that ministers should be answerable instead of civil servants. Uh, and on the question of the public accounts themselves, apart from the committee, the chief minister in yesterday's debate said a shame on the GSD for suggesting that the government would deliberately delay any public accounts reports. Never has an opposition delved into a a principal auditor's report to seek to highlight parts of it to make the hairs run and run a lynch mob against the government in the way that they have done. And not just against the government, Madam Speaker, against individual officers not ministers, against individual officers in the government. 
So uh, the, that was the those are summarised two of the the points uh, in this debate. Obviously, there were <laughs> there was a long debate, and there was much more to be said on either side. Uh, but the motion was dealt with by way uh, eventually of an amendment. The chief minister amended the report to state uh, that it was democratically right to respect the electorate for choosing the manifesto position of the GSLP Liberals against a public accounts committee. So the amendment was reworded, and uh, that was voted on eventually after. Uh, about seven hours after the debate began, at 20 past 11, the amended motion... I don't know how they can keep their concentration <laughs> and, and be as energetic in their delivery uh, yes. for that long. Yeah, yeah um, it, and it was a fiery debate till till well into the evening. And that amended motion was passed by government majority with the opposition voting against. So that was the majority of what happened in Parliament yesterday. There were a couple of other things. Um, the other thing was uh, that the, uh, the, the Minister for Trade and Industry, Nigel Feetham, gave some details on the captive insurance scheme that's going to provide emergency travel healthcare uh, cover for the elderly and infirm, something that was uh, lost, obviously, post-Brexit. People have had uh, trouble getting that uh, coverage because of high premiums. Uh, so the terms and conditions and the eligibility criteria for that is set to be announced soon. And finally, um, although this was actually the first and thing that so, happened so in that Parliament... Is, so that is something that um, people who uh, who have not been able to get health cover yeah. to go into Spain, they will be able to access it uh, via this new scheme, potentially. Yes. Uh, and, and more details in, in the coming days. No, yeah. Nigel Feetham said hopefully within the next 10 days. It should be announced soon. Um, initially, we'll only cover Andalusia and there'll be eligibility criteria and it's for people who've not been able to access this uh, in the open insurance market so people with uh, especially the elderly and people with pre-existing conditions but those terms and conditions and who will be eligible is something that uh, we'll get more detail on uh, in, in the coming days uh, And there may, but there may be somebody listening to this who hasn't been to Spain um, for, for yeah. a while for those reasons for whom it, it could be a real sort of a lifeline definitely yeah. something that a lot of people will have been anticipating um, and then finally although this was the first thing that happened in Parliament uh, the Speaker ruled after the opposition leader objected to some oral questions not having been taken in this meeting of parliament. Uh, Karen Hamaja said that this was because um, the ministers who would have answered these were absent and they, if, to wait for them to come back would have meant adjourning all the other business. However, she did agree with a request by the leader of the opposition that the questions would be updated and resubmitted for next month. So those questions that we haven't heard will be coming up uh, at the next next time parliament meets. It's currently adjourned. Sina dear. And it uh, might not be as long a session next time. Hopefully not. <laughs> Fingers crossed for everyone. Uh, Cristina Cortez, thank you for bringing you. us up to speed on what happened in Parliament yesterday. Now, uh, as I've just said, the Chief Minister and uh, the Deputy Chief Minister will be travelling with the Chief Secretary and the Attorney General to London, it says to the UK actually, uh, tomorrow for a series, no, sorry, it does say to London, to London, uh, for a series of meetings to try and wrap up the future relationship treaty for Gibraltar. Now, um, brings us nicely to our next talking point. What will happen to the property market if there is a successful outcome to those negotiations, if there is a treaty and what would happen to property prices if the negotiations end and there is no deal questions for a state agent and managing director at the bmi group luis montegrifo good afternoon to you sir good afternoon jonathan thanks for having me feels a bit like a crystal ball gazing which we don't have and never <laughs> have had but um, bring us like let's look at the context first uh, how has uh, property in gibraltar 
been doing in recent months? In recent months, um, I think generally slow. Um, I think if we took it back a little bit further, um, as as the update that we we posted earlier this week suggests, um, twenty twenty three I think was generally a, a dust settling from the market previously to that, which saw huge hikes between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two, up to between fifty and even up to one hundred percent in some in so far as of prices were concerned. Um, so we had a, an amazing couple of years, um, but I think twenty twenty three as as we suggest was all about um, the dust settling, the realignment of the market. We'd seen um, post the uh, Ukraine war um, interest rate levels rise, inflation rise, etc. And those those factors impacted Gibraltar as, it, as they impacted the rest of the world. So from a period of huge growth um, and, and almost a frenzy in the market of property prices, we saw things settle and quite frankly I was quite pleased not the fact that there was a war, interest rates were high, etc. But please, actually, the market um, halted a bit and we were able to see that realignment and dust settling because it would have been unsustainable for the market really to carry on at growth Growing rates of at- 25 30% per year. It's just not, not workable. Right. Okay. So, so that's the context. Um, and and is that uh, for um, residential properties primarily, or does it also yeah. hold true for commercial? Yeah. P- primarily residential. Commercial is slightly different in the way that it's looked at. Um, so, yeah, the, the the mainstay, if you like, of our, our our industry in Gibraltar is is residential. Though, yes, of course, there's a lot of commercial activity and offices, etc. But I think the indicators are are far better viewed and seen. Uh, in looking at both residential sales and and lettings as well. I suppose it's a bigger market as well. Right? A much bigger market generally, yeah. So yeah, yeah so it's more reliable. So the, the, you you might see some peaks and troughs in in, in commercial yeah. which don't reflect sort of a. Yeah, I think we had on commercial. You know, it was I think evident with World Trade Center that was was now is now, is now I wouldn't say old, but certainly has been around for a while now. Um, it was telling that you had I think approximately I think it's twelve to fourteen thousand square meters being built there in one go, and the concern at that stage was how do we do how do we bring Bring in fourteen thousand square meters of, of potential users into Gibraltar. What happened there was actually a lot of uh, relocations within Gibraltar, and what we saw is, which was a good a good indicator for the economy itself. We saw uh, users in Gibraltar wanting to move up the scale from older properties into newer ones, and it didn't affect the bottom line of what the rates per square meter on commercial were. But actually, what we saw is that people were prepared to pay substantially more for good quality offices as opposed to staying in lower quality offices. So it was a good indicator for how well the economy is doing. But no, in terms of, of factors of how the property market does, we generally tend to look at the trends on, on residential and lettings, yeah. Okay, so um, as we said, negotiations continue over Gibraltar's future relationship with the EU and, of course, with Spain in particular. How do we begin to factor in what impact that um, the outcome of those negotiations could have on property, on, on prices, on supply and demand? Well, look, you know, we've been waiting for, you know, it's it's now been, it's, it's uh, God, it's eight years since, since Brexit, since June 2023, uh, nearly eight years. Um, uh, 2016, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, it's, it's difficult to say what impact 
we're going to have. What we do know is that when when all of this started, we had a very short period of time of uncertainty and uh, and, 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 and worrying, worrying about the market generally. But really, the market continued to grow substantially. I mean, 2020-22 is a, is a classic, classic example of that. Uh, our view is that as we've got closer, or every time we get closer potentially to a deal being announced or a deal being, being, being put to the table, that's when, if you like, people tend to stop and, and pause and wait for that to happen. Um, so leading up to this period, uh, it's, it, we, we've, we've had a good, uh, very good few years. As I said, last year was very much a, a realignment and a dust settling of the market, um, but not to say that the market came down in values, rather that it realigned itself in, ter- in terms of where the market should be. Uh, from my perspective, um, and it's, this is my view, uh, I think that the property price increase that we saw, which we've commented on regularly between 2020 and 2022 was factoring in an agreement. So I don't necessarily believe that if an agreement was announced tomorrow that we would suddenly see prices uh, grow substantially or shoot up because of that. I think we're factoring in the fact that Gibraltar hopefully will get that agreement. I think the interesting question is what happens if we don't get an agreement? Well, that, so, that so that's really, where there could be more movement? Well, not more movement. That On, on it, prices, it, I mean. It, um, well, I mean, it, we've seen prices set and go down in certain aspects. We've seen prices uh, which have reached up to 11,000, £12,000 a square metre during that frenzy maintain itself, but only for prime frontline properties. Other 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 areas and other segments which uh, had if, taken advantage, if you like, of this frenzy have settled down and come down. So... In my view, if there's an agreement, um, I think it won't necessarily mean an increase in prices again, but, but generally a maintaining of where we are and underpinning the position that we've reached because of that factoring in of an agreement happening. So the, the interesting question is, if it doesn't happen and we don't have an agreement, uh, what do we end up with? How, how does Gibraltar economically uh, fare? How does it continue to work insofar as its financial services, its game? Is insurance, shipping, so many other, uh, so many other elements to to the economy, and how does that non-agreement impact us? So, um, difficult to say, um, but I don't think it would be a good news story for any sector of the economy. That's for certain. Would it be an existential threat? No, no. Um, for, for property, do you, do you think that sort of we, we could see? Uh, bubble bursting or, or sort of very dramatic changes we've 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 never really seen a bubble burst in jib in the 27 years that i've been in a market we've always consistently seen growth there have been some dips here and there 2008 was the most obvious one um uh i I, the answer is I don't know, and I think that's that's where I, I, I'll, I'll hand my cards down. So I don't have a crystal ball. I think Gibraltar's had uh, an ability historically, politically, to always hold its own very, very well. Um, the fact that the majority of our uh, financial services um, income and an ability to continue to to survive is is based on the UK markets, uh, so that would continue. I think the concern is 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 movement. Uh, uh, the fact that a lot of people who work within different industries in Gibraltar, whether it be gaming, financial services, do have an expectation of being able to go and live in Spain or work in Spain, have that movement. To not have that um, is obviously a concern for anyone looking to come to Gibraltar to work uh, or to move to Gibraltar from a business perspective or stay in Gibraltar. And I think that's the key issue. 
uh, I think we're all hopeful it will happen. Um, and if it does, I think, you know, it will only serve to underpin where we are. If it doesn't, we'll just have to see what the dynamics of that yeah. non-agreement is. Um, but I would always like to think historically if we go back 25 30 40 50 years that we've always done well I, I said to a client of mine recently that you know for the past 27 years since we started BMI I've been worried every year about some political issue one or another and we always seem to do very well out of the hurdles that we are confronted with so that's the line I'd continue to take but it's uncertain. Sure, like optimistic, we'll, we'll, we're nimble, we can respond quickly to whatever yeah. the outcome is. No? Yeah. Um, so l let's go back to thinking about if there is a, a treaty, if there is a, a deal, uh, and, and the UK, Gibraltar, Spain and the EU can uh, agree a future relationship agreement for Gibraltar. Um, you said that you think that the, the market has factored <clears throat> in that deal already, but presumably you're talking about residential. Uh, it could, there could be a significant impact for, for example, warehousing, retail space, offices, that, that could be different to, to residential, no? Um, Depending on, on, on the nature of that deal, yeah, if there is one. I think if there is a deal, it'll just be good across the board. Um, again, it will. we need to understand what that deal really means in, in its intricacies. Uh, what it means for, for the property market as a whole would be maintaining the the levels that we've reached so far which 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 you know are pretty pretty significant when you look at what we've what's been achieved over the past 25 years um from a retail perspective again all these things will 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 take into account what happens with with uh with duty um how how that plays into into a, an agreement and what sort of duties may or may not be payable increased duties to so that that's not really my area but i would say that any positive deal or any deal happening it would be good generally across the board. I think uh, culturally Gibraltar will change uh, and has been changing already in, in, in the Gibraltar maybe that I know and I'm maybe the, the older of the of the guests that you've had here today um, <laughs> and how I remember what Gibraltar was like many Still years ago as a Gibraltarian. Thank you for that. Um, so I think culturally Gibraltar has been changing um, enormously uh, and that's just the dynamics of the economy that we have. Um, from a retail perspective, I think Gibraltar has a lot to still to do um, from a, if you like, um, a shopping experience, uh, a main street experience, which I think is good but can always improve. And a deal I think will likely see changes to um, how we do business um, and what sort of business we'd like to do, what sort of products we'd like to be selling, etc., etc. So those things I think are all good, positive moves based on an agreement which sees free-flowing border um, and Gibraltar continuing to be able to attract um, a new business. And again, let's not forget, based on the fact that we are English-speaking, English legal system, regulated, well-regulated, it's always nice to see. I heard you had um, the, the Minister of Finance here, was mm -hmm. it yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. Announcing the, uh, the, the we're off the grey list. So all these things are great and positive for the economy. And so whether the property market does well or retail, I think generally everything has the scope to be able to improve and do better all the time, realistically. And and finally, um, sort of in in this sort of scenario that we're we're looking at, what might happen when a treaty is announced or when a no negotiated outcome is confirmed? Do you expect there to be a, a, a mad rush uh, to estate agents at that time? Um, 
look, well, histo- be a wave. historically, when when we went through through Brexit, uh, we all walked into the office thinking this is the end of the world, and it wasn't. Uh, so I think no. The answer is I, I I'm not I'm not a believer that these 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 important uh, milestones um, have. Uh, the ability to to change things dramatically over a very short period of time, and whether you see a mad rush to sell or mad rush to buy. Um, so no, I, I don't believe that. I think we've 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 had similar situations, not as significant, but similar situations which we've seen have been dealt with well. Um, and the market will just assess how it's going. Let's not forget the, the market will always drive the market, uh, and therefore it'll be based purely on demand and supply at the, at the at that stage, I think the confidence uh, that would would be brought in with an agreement is clearly going to underpin and maintain those rates per square meter, which, as I said, are hugely significant. When we are seeing rates of up to eleven, twelve thousand pounds a square meter achieved in some areas, I think that will just underpin that. If we don't have the agreement, I think it's very likely that we're going to see a downturn in property prices. But I don't know to what extent. And again, I say that because historically, where we've had negative news, it hasn't necessarily meant that the market will die. I think there's a lot that Gibraltar has to offer based on, on what we, we, we value our, our, our economy um, is driven by, financial services, etc, etc. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Westside and Bayside School uh, students and students at the Gibraltar College are taking part in Future Pathways, which is a three-day event for Year 12s. And our reporter, Claire Hernandez, has been at that event this morning and joins us now with more details. So I suppose, you know, there comes a time towards the end of your schooling where you need to decide what what you're going to do next, and this is really to to help inform those choices. Absolutely. It's fantastic. took me back a little bit. Even though the building is different, it was nice to be down at the schools earlier today. As you said, it's a three-day event. It's for Year 12 pupils. They're at a stage where they're looking at their future, Jonathan. They're looking at what they want to do, be it going on to university, do they want to start work? And this event gives them the opportunity to find out what their choices are and perhaps to guide them a little bit. As you said, it's called Future Pathways and they're looking at the paths that their future might take at the moment. It's made up of panel discussions over the three days and we heard from organiser Claire Trinidad. So we have 15 panels running, so three panels running at any one time and students have opted in to four different panels. So it's very much a a pupil-centred initiative where every pupil gets to decide what they're interested in and attend the panels that they would like to attend. 15 panels, so when you think about it, that's quite a lot to choose from. The first day yesterday was compulsory, so the Year 12 pupils were told which panels they had to go to, and it was all very informative. Things like looking at university applications, um, looking at the employment sector in Gibraltar, that kind of thing. Today and tomorrow, they're more specific. So these are the days where the kids have been told, okay, you can choose which panel you want to go to. And and when you say panel, it's just a number of people discussing a a particular subject. Exactly. There are representatives, for example, from broadcasting. We had some of our own down there this morning. The media, construction, marketing. There were panels this morning on applying for university and an academic panel to help those pupils who are looking specifically at medicine, for example, which is quite specified. Um, The 
the great thing is as well, the event counts on assistance from the Kuzuma Trust, from the Youth Service and CIPD Gibraltar. So they've provided speakers and support for the three days as well. So a very big event, a lot of organising going on and very engaging for the pupils involved too. We heard from some of them well, this morning. Well, this is the first day of that we've actually been able to hear the panels that we've chosen. So far it's been really interesting. Um, it's a really nice break in a way from our academic subjects because um, well the whole purpose of this is really to get a wider perspective of kind of the careers that you could take so so far it's really doing its job. Yesterday as well especially yesterday with a whole day of talks and it was just about our career paths what we can um, uh, about life how we can be in uni how, uh, and all the many different things that can that can come in life and so far it's all been very interesting and I think it's an amazing thing that we've been able to uh, do. I want to be an architect, so I kind of know which way I want to go. But there are some people there that didn't know really where they wanted to go, so I think it was a perfect opportunity to hear from every single person who kind of has a little play in the market. I think it was great. There's, it's a really wide market, and there's like lots of different jobs that go into it. And I had a lot of questions that I was able to ask, and I got answers to, so I feel like I do know what I want to do. I also want to be an architect uh, and even though I did already know that I do want to go to uni, I found it very helpful to know that there are other options that I can explore and even with uni I can have different courses and when I go to get a job after that I can also have different jobs even with the architecture degree and it's just really nice to know that I can have different options. What mature voices. They yeah. were amazing. We spoke to, that's not all the kids that I managed, I keep calling them kids, I'm sorry, that's not all the young people that I spoke to this morning. We spoke to representatives from both Westside and Basehead schools and from the Gibraltar College. They've all really got their heads screwed on quite firmly. What was very interesting as well, and perhaps I'll be able to touch upon in the report this evening, there was one student in particular who said, I went to a panel discussion on teaching and I decided that that's not what I want to do. So, you know, and that wasn't a negative. It was a positive. It was, so, I'm ruling out being things. informed, yeah. Exactly. And informed decisions are the best decisions. And I think that the way that the whole event has, has been brought together by Claire Trinidad, who we heard from earlier, and all the team is just, it's putting all the information on a plate they're engaged. They, there were about 100 students involved in the media marketing talk this morning that we attended, and they're all listening. They're paying attention. They want to know more. They want to learn. They don't want to leave their future to chance. Yeah, I was going through that some, well, a long time ago, some 25 years ago, <laughs> I guess. But um, if I think if I'd have heard my voice and how unprepared I was at that age compared to these young people, um, it, would, it would make them seem even more confident if that was possible because uh, <laughs> I remember how difficult it was at that time. It was. Uh, and they, they sound, it sounds like these young people are really sort of have given it some good thought and have some very clear ideas about how to proceed. Even if they don't know what they're going to do, they know what they need to do to, to, to make their minds up. No? Exactly. And this event is cementing that as well, Jonathan, because it's telling them you don't need to know what you want right now, but these are the options that will be open to you. And as one of the people said on, on that Vox Pop, she knew that she wants to go into something in particular. She wants to follow a particular career, but she knows that she has choices after that as well. So that's very important for the mm. kids. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. The Sound of Cedar.
Very nice. Congratulations, uh, Daryl and Patrick are here. Daryl Baez, Patrick Murphy. Uh, that sounded so cool. I've heard, well, we heard, we had the privilege of having um, um, Patrick play that for us, an acoustic version, uh, last time you were in this studio. But it sounds a little bit different when you add the uh, <laughs> the guitars and the drums. And the rock and roll. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a, a big energy song. Must be really good fun to play live. Yeah, I mean, we usually we tend to start the set with that song. Um, I think it's like it puts us in a good place to sort of like bring the energy up from the beginning. And I think it's also kind of like, you know, I think now it's really important to have to capture your audience within the first like 0.2 seconds of your set. <laughs> so <laughs> First impressions count. Exactly. So yeah. we like to think that that one sort of grabs people's attention from the beginning. It's not right. So um, we, we've now had that released officially. It's, it's available yeah, for out, people to... That's been out since last Friday. We released it while we were playing in Leeds, actually. And it really it's really taken off since then a lot of a lot of good feedback like we just um yeah we're really happy with how it's turned out and uh yeah looking forward to getting the next one out as well so um talk to us a little bit about the the production of music uh, a song like this who writes it who produces it uh, so that that song was one of the, actually the, one of the first ones that we wrote I think as a band I, th- I think it might have been the first one or as the, as yeah. a four piece yeah as, like, as like the current all, all the current lineup yeah, wrote we've together gone a few people <laughs> yeah but um, with this one I think Harry had like in, uh, come up with that guitar riff with just sort of like messing about with his delay pedal and stuff mm-hmm. and then um, I started playing a beat along towards that and then I don't know it just kind of like evolved from there and it just sort of became a staple in the set in fact i don't think we've played a set and not played that song yeah i think it's it was one of the more natural uh, songs that came about it was one of those that we just kind of went into rehearsal room we kind of just just played our parts and just wrote on the spot and then you know it just kind of naturally came together and how, how does it go from something that you're sort of, you know, as, as you say, putting together in a rehearsal, how does it go from that to a polished sound like we've just heard? I mean, a lot of, uh, a lot of critique, I'd say. Uh, just kind of like f- trying to do what's best for the song. It's very easy to get carried away, uh, especially with solos and stuff, and you can kind of like, you can do, you can do a lot by not doing a lot. You know what I mean? Sometimes so, less is more. Yeah, definitely. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and then I think we decided that uh, we wanted to record this and release it. And it was literally like, to be honest, it was super DIY. Like, we yeah. we bought a bunch of equipment. Now, you know, we know kind of what we're doing when it comes yeah. to recording, but like nowhere near as much as other people. Um, but we decided, look, let's just record it and um, we'll send it to someone who we know to uh, mix it who understands like sort of like our style and stuff what we're going for um so we just to be honest recorded it sent it off hope for the best and the engineer that mixed it for us is just super super talented you know he's like a really just like really on it and he's very involved in the industry and stuff um and he did a great job yeah we were really happy with it i think from the start we wanted to be very like independent with everything we do um so i feel like getting all that equipment and recording it ourselves it made it more special to us to release it so yeah it's a more it's a more personal project something that you've poured a lot of love into no? yeah. a lot of time sweat and tears i'm sure absolutely um brilliant okay so so um tell us a little bit you you just returned from this uk tour uh, how's it gone um eight gigs in 10 days <laughs> we, we we talked about it before you left we knew it was <clears> going to be a tall order uh, to to sort of um deliver 
you know, eight nights uh, out yeah. of ten. It, it, <clears throat> it's quite, it must have been tough, no? Yeah, it was super, super tiring. Um, but it was like an amazing experience. I don't think any of us really could have hoped for it to go on any better, to be honest. Um, I mean, literally from the first night that we started playing um, in Camden Assembly, which was probably my highlight personally of the entire tour. It was just a, like a really, really good gig. There was an amazing turnout because um, we didn't really know what to expect. There was a big, like a bigger band, like headlining it, but there were two other bands before them as well. So like three supports, which is a lot really for sure. a gig. Um, so we didn't know. And turns out they've got like a really loyal fan base who just turned Camden up as is, soon yeah, as the yeah. doors open, you know. So it was to our surprise when we walked out on stage and there was probably like two hundred people there. You know, the club was like completely Brilliant. packed. Um, yeah, so that was like really, really good. Yeah, I feel like uh, you know it was it was exhausting, definitely. But you know, this is the kind of stuff that you work towards when you're in a band. This is the kind of stuff that you yearn for is to get out there and kind of play your original music to people who don't know you. You don't have any connection to them, no family, no nothing, and you kind of you draw something out of them that they wouldn't have expected. And I think the surprise factor was a big thing for us because we rehearsed the heck out of the set and then we were able to bring it to people who had no idea who we were didn't know what to expect and the the thoughts were overall just very like very good like everyone was very into it and we got a lot of interest um and yeah so daryl's gone for camden what, what, what did you have a highlight <clears throat> Uh, for me, I've, I've got to be biased. It was Brighton for me because I, I I lived in Brighton for a few years and and I had uh, I had my boys there. A big crowd, like half the crowd was pretty much Gibraltarian, I yeah. think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it was just unbelievable, and the sound was brilliant. There was a very good energy. We played with a couple of really great bands on the night um, in Grunges and My High. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, it was it overall it was my favorite night of the tour, but. It's always good when I return to Brighton, so yeah, it's, and, it is biased. Have you have you recovered from uh, the grueling two weeks? I mean, are you are you feeling the throat's a bit fragile, as you might be able to tell? Uh, I'm just kind of like <clears throat> coughing yeah, all yeah. the time, but uh, but I think we would have expected to be worse off by the time yeah. we finished. I didn't expect to be going back into work on the Monday after after traveling on no sleep on the Sunday, you know. Mm. But I think because of that real motivation and energy that we got from the tour it's kind of like pushed us further in our work as well because we we just want to get the most out of this and like while well, the momentum is up so yeah also i mean in the grand scheme of things like um playing eight shows in 10 days is still a very small amount like a touring band yeah you know it's still like that is considered a mini tour really sure. you know bands that go out for sort of like 40 days yeah, or whatever yeah. and like so i mean but that is like our dream you know we, we do want to so i suppose it's like a training session you do yeah <laughs> i'd love to repeat this and, and make it yeah three four weeks or whatever absolutely yeah you know like it's it's undoubtedly all of our dreams to be able to do this full time and sort of like pursue a career in music where we can just live off off it really yeah so like just getting like a taste of of what it is i think it, has made us hungry to write more songs record more songs and just 
just go out there and try well, and do it. I mean, I, I get the impression that you guys are a hard-working band, and 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 uh, I suppose you need to be if you want to if you want to make a go of it. No? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and your hard work has been um, rewarded. You've got further gigs being booked. You've got one this Friday in Gibraltar, and um, in recent days, you've also been confirmed as supporting Melon Diesel on the twenty-first of June at the Europa Sports Complex, a, a show that is now, I think, sold out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is so so exciting, so yeah. exciting. You know, obviously, like the the two other boys in the, in the band, um, I suppose, didn't really grow up with Mel and Diesel as much as Pat and I did. Yeah. Um. So, you know, getting something like this, uh, not that the other boys aren't excited for it, but for me and Pat specifically, is like a huge deal. You know. Yeah. Like, it's like going full circle and like kind much. of like when you're a kid listening to their music and and you you know and now you, now you get to play with them. In front of God knows how many people, you know what I mean. Uh, I think it it makes uh, it makes it super special. And uh, going from playing to a crowd of eight at the Huddersfield gig, (laughs) which was was the low the low highlight of the tour, still a highlight. um, To yeah, over two thousand people in Europa Mm. Point Sports Complex is just unbelievable. Yeah. Brilliant, and, and and as I understand it, they wanted you there, so that that's uh, that's lovely as well, isn't it? <laughs> it is definitely lovely. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. to hear from from people that you've looked up to since you started playing music to sort of like you know say those kind of things. It's really really cool. A reminder: this Friday, where are you playing? This Friday, we're playing in Lord Nelson's, and then on the eighth of March, we're playing in Boyd's with the Clockworks. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.